I keep my children on a bookshelf. To be honest, I don't really dust them. They look after themselves, really. Although I have to say, the one with the clothes now gets a bit <clears throat> dusty every now and again. But sure, they look after themselves. One of my favourite things to collect are Child of Prague statues. The one I have here, the colours on it are blue and yellow, Tipperary colours. And it was because it was actually given to me by a friend from Tipperary. So she was in Prague and she brought it back from Prague with Tipperary colours, even though I'm from Limerick. That's Emer, recorded by Susan O'Loughlin. Susan, why did you record her? Emer collects unusual ornaments. She has an interest in religious iconography and she's a particular interest in Child of Prague statues. She, in fact, herself does an impression of the Child of Prague. Uh, (laughs) I'm serious. And so I wanted to sort of find out where her interest came from. Okay, and why ornaments? You decided to do something about ornaments. Yeah, I'm not really into ornaments myself. I'm kind of a bit of a minimalist. I'm not into clutter. That's what I see ornaments as. I see them as dust collectors. Um, My mother collected lots of decorative plates for years. People used to bring her back bits of porcelain and figurines for years and years and years. My granny used to always bring back sort of figurines of children, always in a similar style from London, and um, also plates with flowers and things like that, which would never be used. And I just... Curious why people collect these things because I never really saw the value in it, I suppose, until I met the people in this programme, the Curious Seer, who told me the really interesting stories attached to the pieces that they collect. Emer's Child of Prague statue, her whole interest in it, was sparked by a sort of a, a vision she had. Back when I was in college, I think I must have woken up one morning and had a really bad hangover. And um, I, I just got out of bed and I just was like, you know, you get a shock. And I was like, Jesus, I saw something in the room. And I was like, God, it looks like the child of Bragg. To be honest, it was probably gas coming out of the radiator and it looked like it. And I was still hungover and a bit drunk. So, but I was like, that's really strange. And at the time, I was looking for a part-time job. And I went for an interview in this agency and on the person who was interviewing me on their desk was a statue of the child of Prague. So it was kind of really, oh my God, do, do, do moment. But I actually got the job. And so every day I come into work and I'd see the statue of the Child of Prague on my boss's desk, which used to kind of freak me out a little bit. But that's where I kind of got the interest in it. So I started collecting it from them. And I've always had a bit of an affinity with the Child of Prague. One instance we had was one gentleman left in a box of clothes belonging to his daughter and at the top of the box of clothes was a beautiful patchwork quilt and unbeknownst to him, he had left it in and his it was actually a family heirloom that his daughter had been given from her mother and the mother had hand-stitched it and we had given it, uh, we had sold it already within 24 hours and the man came back and he was distraught and he was, he was daughter, you know, was distraught and we did go and we found the blanket because we remembered who actually bought it and we found it and he was just overjoyed, he was just, he couldn't, he wanted to give a reward and we wouldn't accept it and the lady that did buy it gave it back with pleasure and we replaced it down with ties for our kids for free, we just, but we were delighted.
Tell me about this alabaster piece. This alabaster piece is one of a series of four. Yeah, it's a weird story. Like, I came to Hollyhead on the train down to London. I said I'd go out and have a look at Abbey Road. Politely went inside. There was a doorman there and I said, could I have a look possibly at the uh, Beatles recording studio? I know it would be very early in the morning. This was about five o'clock in the morning. And I said, well, I'm sorry, sir, that you can't come in, but the Beatles are recording. At which case, George Harrison came out and he kind of heard the conversation and he said, oh, you're from Dublin. He said, I've cousins in Dublin in Drumcondrick. Where do you live? And I actually said Whitehall at the time. And uh, he said, oh, that's only down the road, isn't it? And I said, yes, it is. And he said, what are you here for? Uh, kind of gruff. And I said, I actually wanted to see the studio. And I said, I didn't think there'd be anybody here. And he said, oh, he said, come on in, have a look at it. And then he introduced me to a guy, Alex Mardis. Alex Amardis was an electronic genius that actually the Beatles happened across. And he was instrumental for getting some of the sounds that the Beatles produced in the early pre-Sgt. Peppers. He, his father was a multimillionaire and he said, just kind of sit there. And uh, lo and behold, in comes the Beatles at some stage. They were off eating a pizza and they started to play um, back in the USSR. What, what turned out to be back in the USSR. So at some stage during this morning's thing, um, I said, oh, I'm going down to Greece. And he said, oh, my dad lives in Crete. Uh, How would you like to stay in my house? And who said this? Alex Mardis. Yeah. And he said, I'll actually ring him. And did Alex give these to you as a present? His father did. I got four of these. And this is actually a white alabaster. I got two white and two brown alabaster. How to describe them? This is probably, probably six inches high. It has four different rings in it. It's kind of marbly. Marbly, exactly. And uh, very heavy. You can actually Mm. feel it's quite heavy. I think they're very nice to look at. left the States in the 50s and all of this, all of her precious glass and china was packed in six barrels and we came across the ocean with the barrels and then my sister and I inherited it. Now my sister hasn't married so I think it's very unfair that she got two pieces and I only got one piece of this lovely, lovely glass. I also have a lovely piece of Limoges hand-painted china uh, a beautiful dish with wild roses and rose hips and little spiders on the outside that I am very, very fond of, and it's hanging in the hall. And there's another beautiful piece. The piece is a fruit bowl, a china fruit bowl, and it's hanging in the hall as well because I have bits and pieces of china all over the place. I suppose, in a way, they, they all tell stories, don't they? Ornaments and these, the fruit bowl here and the plates and the cut glass, they, t- they tell a great story about your grand-aunt and also, I suppose, the story of emigration. My aunt seemed to me to be rather ancient, this grand-aunt. She worked for a very well-to-do family by the name of Alker in on Park Avenue. And she lived with them all her life, so she was a live-in person. And my mother used to bring us to visit as children. And the Alkers must have been away and we were allowed into their very, very posh apartment. 
And in that living room, there was, seemed like to us, hundreds of ornaments. But there was a preponderance of small china dogs. And there was a three-tiered glass table. And all on this table were different ornaments of dogs. So my sister and I kept very quiet this time. All we did was count the ornaments. And we were also quite amazed because in front of her fireplace, we had never seen a fireplace before, I think, was a large bearskin of some sort of another. These seemed like, you know, very exotic things to us as children. My aunt actually retired from this house at 65, but she had become institutionalised. And she and another one of the mystic staff set up a little house together in an apartment. But they couldn't live there. They had to go back to their original place and keep working because they just couldn't work, live on their own. They hadn't been used to it. And will we, will we move on to this other sure. ornament? What's, what's this big well, cup? This, this, this cup here again was uh, my grandfather, Peter Halpin, was an actual famous runner. And the cup actually says the national championships. On the base here, it actually says... 1911. It's one of my favourite pieces. It's cup and base, probably a pure silver cup. Ornamental handles, probably about six inches high, and on a width again six to eight inches. It's like a giant fruit bowl. Where would you, where do you actually keep it? I actually keep it on top of the uh, computer as a kind of an inspiration. Anything that I kind of have that I have to do. I put it in that and I take them out then and it's kind of like a living presence to me. And from the giant cup to the giant fork, what is this? It's about uh, three feet high or something long, uh, is it? Let me see that. Made out of wood. Ornamental right from start, top to bottom, basically the face of an old man, like a spade fork at the end, but basically coming down in a totem. I got this up in Norway from a man called Peter Sturm. I arrived off the boat there going up to the Arctic in 73. Basically got off the boat and here was this giant man of about 6 foot 3 to about 6 foot 6. And he was actually 103. Now, what he actually done was he left Norway when he was 12. And he went across on the boat to America. And basically his job was to cut trees down, joint redwood trees, right across America and making a path out to the west. He had perfect English and his recall was absolutely fantastic. He actually said, I'd like to give you a present. And he said, would I accept this And as part of my uh, time of meeting him? Because he said he didn't feel as if he had long to live on this life. And he said, I would make a better use of it. My aunt, because she was surrounded by nice things, she sort of collected nice things from various little antique huckster shops maybe around New York. And because her room was so small, she couldn't keep them, so she would give them as presents to her nieces and nephews. And anyway, she had collected this set of glass, cut glass, two very large jugs and a bowl, fruit bowl. My mother wasn't in any hurry to get married, and... She had another nephew. She, he wasn't, this other cousin wasn't getting married either. So she had said to them, whoever got married first, she would give the cut glass to. So Jim had gone away to the war and my mother had got married. And with great glee, when he came back from the war, my mother invited him out to her house. And here, behold, on the sideboard was the cut glass.
remember the journey on the boat? Oh yes, I can remember it very well. The journey lasted 10 days and then we came to Ireland and we'd never seen so many hills and so much greenery before. We were coming into Cove, it was Easter Sunday and there was people uh, dressed in Irish costumes and they were doing Irish dancing on the tender. There was the start of Antostal. So then uh, we had to travel from Cove to Ballina and on to Ballycastle and there were six large trunks and six large barrels on my mother's goods and chattels. So there were quite a number of stops on the railway to change and we held up all the trains waiting for them to take off six trucks and six barrels. My mother's ornaments were in the wooden barrels and she had a particular beautiful set dinner service that her bridesmaid had given her and which now belongs to my sister and I think there's something over 100 pieces in it. And what saddens me is, is that so many people are getting rid of their family heirlooms of Chinese, their mother's china tea sets. I picked up a set of Royal Tara China, complete 21-piece set, for €7 Euro in a china shop. And I think it's just so sad that people are letting these things go. I'm Ronan Kelly. You've been listening to The Curious Ear with Susan O'Loughlin, who's been listening to people talking about ornaments. And what do you think of people who say they're dust collectors and things like that? No such a thing, as long as they keep them clean. And there's plenty of feather dusters that you can dust them with. Yeah, yeah. Now he's lovely. Mm-hmm.